Good evening, everybody. Today is the 23rd of January, almost over a week. And January, the first month, will be over. <laughs> Lord have mercy. It's been an incredible <laughs> month. <laughs> the days are literally taking off. But we are here on our 51st Q&A. And I think for the first time in a long time, we do not have any questions about the election. <laughs> So we shall get back into the Word of God. Most of the questions are connected with the Word of God, but we just thank God for every opportunity, every question we get from India, from around the world. We have questions from all the way from Australia to US to India, everything. But we just pray, Lord, give us the wisdom to answer. And if we err, Lord, forgive us and give them the discernment that we are not right but only God has all the answers. So this evening, before we get into Q&A, we will look to the Lord, we will pray. <coughs> Pastor Vijay, could you lead us in prayer? Father in heaven, we just want to thank you, Father, once again for this time that you've given to us. Thank you, Lord, for every opportunity that you give to us, O oh Lord, uh, to, to learn from your word, O oh Lord, every forum, Lord, even this forum of Q&A, O oh Lord Jesus. We want to thank you. We want to thank you, Father, for all, the, uh, all of your children who have sent their questions. I pray, Father, that you would grant us all the spirit of wisdom and revelation and that you would grant us a fresh anointing, O oh Lord, even for this time. Father, be with your servant, even as he answers, and be with all of us. Grant us, Lord, uh, the spirit of discernment that we will be able to understand and make the answer relevant to the situations that we are going through, O oh Lord, Father. Uh, come in this entire time into your hands. Uh, be with the transmission as well. I pray, Father, uh, Lord, there will be no interruption, O oh Lord Jesus, and uh, through everything that we do, O oh Lord, that you will have the preeminence, O oh Lord Father. We thank you, we praise you, we give you glory. For in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Amen. <clears throat> amen. Yes, Pastor Vijay. Yes, Pastor. So Let's these were all, all questions which are from the Bible. So question number one. Why did Jesus, Judas betray Jesus? Jesus had told them that they would sit on 12 thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. He, he saw the power of God when demons were cast out, the feeding of the 5,000, etc., did he stop believing? Was he disillusioned? Was he upset it was not happening in the way he wanted at his time? Was he hurt that he was not in the inner circle? See, twelve were chosen. In postscript, we know one was the son of perdition. If you go with me to, if I'm right, it's the Gospel of John, chapter, and chapter six. 17. Oh, 17. Okay. okay. Yeah. yeah, except, yeah. 17. <laughs> Seventeen twelve. <coughs> While I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. But those whom you gave me, I have kept. None of them is lost except the son of perdition. That scripture might be fulfilled. Now this is, you need to understand the sovereignty of God. And God knows the end from the beginning. And already hundreds of years before Jesus even come in the flesh, it's already been prophesied, written in scripture, that one of them will betray him. Now, which one? We do not know until it happens. <coughs> which one we do? It could have been any one of them. Yes. It could have any one of them. I believe, I mean, I believe that the enemy tempted all 12 of them to see which one would betray him. But 
it was Judas who opened the door. Yes. And if you go to John again, chapter uh, chapter 12 and and verse 4 to 6. One of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, Why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the money box and used to take what was put in it. Mm. Now, if you look at it, this is the way he opened the door. Yes. Now, if you look at it, this has got nothing to do with betraying Jesus. Okay? If you are not faithful in little things, you won't be faithful in big things. Money is a very small thing in the kingdom of God. It's yes. not a big thing. It's yes. a very small thing. It's maybe a big thing in the world, but it's mm-hmm. a very small thing. And if you cannot be trusted with money, you cannot be trusted with anything else. So like God sees, the devil sees, devil saw, one dude was stealing. After that, it's the road on the way to complete betrayal. First you stole the master's money, then you betrayed the master for money. Mm. So that's why it happens. It's not that God had predestined Judas Iscariot alone should betray. No. It was predestined one of the twelve would betray. Which should be that twelve? All were tempted, eleven stood, one fell. Where were they tempted in the beginning? It was tempted in the money. Remember, all of them left their post and followed Jesus. Okay, so in that zeal, everybody left. But after that, when temptation starts coming in and Judas was tempted in the money part, he fell over there. And after that, it's just a... And he he never came back. He never came back. And then, of course, you start arguing with yourself. Like he promised us so many things and and it is not happening. You start justifying justifying all these things. But scripture has to be fulfilled. One of the twelve would betray. Mm. One of the twelve would betray. And uh, Jesus probably um, definitely knew who was, but he stuck with them till the very end. Okay, so why did Jesus do? He has to do everything because he came to do the will of God. Behold, in the volume of the book, it is written about me. So when he picks twelve, one has to be the son of perdition because it is written. It was not written, all twelve would have been saints. But one was the son of perdition. Which one? We know. And why did he become that one? If you look at the open door, it was this. He was not faithful. And he never came back and put it right. Exactly. The thing is that Jesus would have definitely known that he was stealing the money, right, Pastor? So we why do did, not know. Why did he not confront him is a question. I was like, I always no, had this. We question. are presuming Jesus knew. Like, you know, we come with this theological argument. He was 100% God, 100% human. But he also makes it very clear during his walk or not. He didn't know a lot of things unless the Father showed him. So we do not know the Father showed him or oh, the Holy okay. Spirit showed him or not. He says, I do not know the hour when the Son of Man comes. And how can he be God and not know? Because he submitted everything into his Father's hands and he knows only what the Father reveals. Okay, so it could God. be that the Father, could be that the father, father did, did not reveal, reveal it. He did reveal it to him. <laughs> Could be. Oh boy, that'll be awesome. Yeah. Maybe towards the end he knew, or he maybe he knew. We do not know. 
Because when the Gospels are returning, it's all being returned after all the events are over. Hmm. So when it talks about Jesus picking the twelve, it is also written, one of them was. But did he know this one was? I don't know. Yeah. If he knew, it was an incredible test for him. You know, this is the one who's going to betray me, but he treated him just like all the others. He loved them to the end. Okay, so it could be that he knew and it's a test for him and he came through that test. He loved his betrayer till the end or he did not know. And he treated them all the same way. Okay, so we do not know. Hmm. But I believe if you look in the scripture, see the pattern in it, you will see that is where it happened. Yeah. And the enemy uses money to get him to It's, it's like taken and you have, uh, you have uh, yes. Gehazi and then Gehazi. And if you look at Balaam. Judas, Judas is not being promised something else. He's promised where his temptation lies. He's promised 30 pieces of silver to betray Jesus. And that's what where his heart is. His mm, heart is in money. money. You cannot be tempted with something which you don't desire. So that is where he is tempted mm. and he falls. It says, <coughs> the second question will say, says, um, a slightly long question. In one place, Jesus tells his disciples to observe what the Pharisees tells, tell them mm. to observe. But in another place, he says that they teach the doctrine of men. While they sit in Moses' seat, if they're teaching the doctrines of men, uh, are we judged only for our submissiveness? For example, Matthew chapter 16 verse 12 says, Then they understood how that he bade them not to uh, not be, to be, be beware of the leaven of bread, but the doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And uh, Matthew chapter 23, verses 1 to 3, Then spake Jesus to the multitude and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat, and therefore whatsoever they bid you observe, that observe and do. But do not after uh, their works, for they say and do not do it. On the surface, it looks like a contradiction. Because on the surface, he tells them, Beware of the leaven of the bread, that is the doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Yet on the other side, he says, uh, that's in Matthew 23, verses mm. 1 to 3. That is, Jesus spoke to the multitudes, to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. Therefore, whatever they tell you to observe, that observe and do. But do not do according to their works, for they say and they do not do. Okay. And if you come to verse 23, if I'm right, just look at verse 23. It's the <coughs> indictment of the Pharisee. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you pay the tithe of mint, anise, cumin, and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. undone. So basically what he's telling them is that the problem with the Pharisee, if you go to Matthew chapter uh, 5, Matthew chapter 5, what is he talking about here? Is he, he's not contradicting himself, but he is saying, right now. Yeah, if you come to Matthew chapter 5 and verse 20. For I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. <coughs> And if you look at the preceding verses, he said, I have not come to break the law. I have come to fulfill the law. Yes. And then after that is the entire discourse on the Sermon on the Mount that you actually... Now we go back to 23.23, 23, the portion we had looked earlier. If you look at it, he says, 
you pay tithes of mint, all this, you have neglected the weightier matters of the law. He says the problem with the Pharisees, the first problem with the Pharisees, they are very superficial of the keeping of the law. They leave the depth part. Mm. Okay. But the issue is that he says, unless you hear the law, you will not be convicted. Yes. Right? So these are the ones who teach the law. He says, you listen to their teaching, but don't do what they do. When they teach you, they read from the law. When they practice, they keep it superficially. Mm. Your righteousness has to exceed that of the Pharisees. Don't be like them. Mm. What they teach you, they will teach you. I mean, what they teach you, they will be, they will be big on tithing. Yes. Because it benefits them. <laughs> big on, like many of the prosperity churches. The first 30 minutes about giving, 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 giving. Okay, that's a Pharisaical teacher. Teaching. They are big on, but is it there in the Bible? Of course it is there in the Bible. If it is not in the Bible, you cannot teach it. Yes. You cannot teach it. They teach it. But what happens? The important things, they make it very light. Neglect the weightier matters of the law. What is that? Justice, mercy, and faith. These you ought to have done without leaving the others done. So that's what he is talking about. You know what? What they are teaching, follow. What they are doing, don't do it. Meaning, they leave a lot of stuff undone. What is that? When it comes to justice, don't follow them. When it comes to mercy, mercy don't, don't follow them. them. When it comes to faith, don't follow, don't follow them. them. If they teach you on tithing, follow them. Mm. They're very good at that. Mm. <laughs> and I tell the same thing about the prosperity preachers and all of them. You see, mm. you cannot preach a lie. Nobody will believe it. Mm. Okay, so everything everybody preaches, if you look at it, they have to pick it from the scripture. Mm. But you have to learn to weigh it. Mm. What is they have spoken is right, and what is they have left unspoken? Mm. What is that they have left unspoken? The, what the uh, false, like they will talk about a radical grace, which is true. <laughs> grace is the most radical, radical thing, thing that has ever happened. So you listen to that. Then you look at what is that they have said that is unspoken. Hmm. Jude will talk about it. And they will never talk. talk about it. Yes. What Titus, Paul talks about the letter of Titus. They will never speak. They will talk about grace is the incredible love of God towards us that has taken over the penalty of our sin. It is true. Absolutely true. 100% true. So they only speak about that, and then you have to think, what is that they have left undone? Mm. The second part of grace is that it gives you power over sin. Mm. You are not under the law, you are under grace, so sin should. They don't speak about it. Because if they speak about it, it doesn't go with their agenda. Because if you talk about it, then you cannot talk about money. If you have to talk about money, you have to keep the people happy. Mm-hmm. And the only way you can keep people happy is by telling them half the truth. You are loved so much, and you never have to worry about anything. It's honky-dory, it's been taken care of, so now give me your money. Now, on the other hand, if you have to talk about the second part of grace, the grace of God has appeared, it teaches all men, then you have to be tough. Consider the goodness and, and the, the severity, severity of God. Once you speak on the severity of God, nobody wants to give you money. So you have to look at what they have spoken and what they have not spoken, the unspoken part. That is what he was talking about, the Pharisees. What they teach? Listen. They cannot teach error. Because you know the law, they know the law. You got the law with you in your heart, they also got the law. So they will not say, the law says you should do this, which is not there in the law, they will not tell. Mm. So listen to them. But watch them. See if they are merciful. Mm. They are not. Don't walk like them. See if they are just. They are not. Don't walk like them. 
See if they actually walk by faith. They don't. Don't be like that. The second thing is that they did not teach the, the fact. The law was pointing to something else. That you cannot be saved by the keeping of the law. There is a righteousness that exceeds the law. They were the ones who should have pointed the people to Jesus. On the other hand, the people came to Jesus and they rejected Jesus. So he says, don't do what they do. Listen to them, but don't do what do they do. What, what do they do? They reject God. They reject the Son of God. They reject the Messiah. Don't do that. Mm, yes. So he's not contradicting himself. He says, watch their doctrine. Mm. The doctrine is very funny. Okay, like the doctrine of the prosperity gospel is very funny. Mm. It only talks about one side, which is true, and the other side, which they avoid completely, yes. mm. is what is dangerous, which is dangerous. And that is what he is also warning about, the, the Pharisees. Jesus is not contradicting himself. Actually, if you look at it, what he is saying is, is true in any context. Yes, Pastor Vijay. So, uh, next question, we'll go, uh, I think we looked at it once, by, once by, but I think I should look at it again. Which one? Question number three. Okay. How about generational curses? When we become believers from other religious backgrounds, we go through inner healing and healing and deliverance process, including breaking of generational curses progressively. Is it still relevant with new covenant to keep breaking the generational bondages? Has it been addressed in the cross as well? If so, how do we handle it? I mean, if uh, we listened on Thursday night, we had the the baptism class. Yes, baptism class. Yeah. See, hypothetically or positionally speaking, when you accepted Jesus and when you got baptized, if you believe in it, it's all broken. Hmm. But the question is, do you come out of water that way? Those who have come out of the water, their generation curses had no effect at all on them. Because they died, literally died. They literally died in the water. When they came up, it was true. It's simply a question. It's like the best illustration to use is, is a marriage. For this purpose, man shall live, woman shall live, and they shall forsake all and shall be cleaved. Have you forsaken? If you have forsaken, cleaving is possible. If you have been forsaken, Cleaving because very difficult. Forsaking all, not just father and mother, forsaking the entire world. Meaning, does that mean it's all gone? No. The, it, it has changed completely. The relationship is now seen in the relationship from the picture of a husband and a wife, not from the other way. In the same way, when you went into the wall, went into the water and came out, how do you see life? How do you see life? Second part is that also we are growing. If you go to Acts chapter 2, and verse uh, 41 and 42, you will see those who heard his message, were baptized. those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And verse 42, okay, yeah, 42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Okay, you come out, you die to the past, you die to your old life, you come out, and you have to live in the new. But what is the new? Hmm. All things have become new. But what is the new? Hmm. That is the apostle's yes. doctrine. Yes. Okay, the child has left the mother's womb. Delivery is over. The child has come out. It has completely left his old life. It can never go back to this old life. It is impossible to go back to its old life. It has come out to the new. But what is the new? Who takes care of you in the new? Hmm. If the parents don't take care of the child, the child dies. 
the child refuses to be taken care of the, the parents, the child dies. So this is what has happened. People have come out of the water. They have actually God has brought them out of the new, but after that they don't follow scripture. They have to continuously and steadfastly in apostles' doctrine, in the fellowship where it is tested, in the breaking of bread where you're constantly judging yourself and God judges you, mm-hmm. and in prayers. You know what happens? Everything is being broken. Yep. But people don't. I mean, the problem today, what has happened is, like is, doctrine is picked from TV. Doctrine is not picked from the Bible. You ask, especially in this last one year after the pandemic came up and the shutdown happened. If you ask an average Christian, he doesn't know which church he belongs to. Because each day he listens to a different preacher. Yep. He doesn't belong anywhere. So how are you steadfastly growing in the apostles' doctrine? Because that is the food for the new person. And where it is being tested, food has to be tested. It is being tested in the fellowship. People don't fellowship at all. Hmm. They don't fellowship at all. I mean, when you are online, how do you fellowship? I'm not talking about those who have been asked to stay back because of comorbidities, but people don't fellowship. And if you don't fellowship and your fellowship, there is irritants over there, then how do you judge? Mm. How do you breaking of bread? It takes place. How do you judge? And where is the unity in prayer? So what happens is the curses still operate. Yep. These are curses that operates in the world, mm. in the flesh. Yes. If you did not die to the world and to the flesh in the water and you come out and you're still living in that, the curses work. It works. It's only a hypothetical fact mm. that any man who's in Christ Jesus is a new, a creation. new creation. Old things have passed away. Then you ask them, has the old things passed away? No, no. it hasn't passed away. Why? Because you did not let go of it. Mm. You didn't let go of it. So we have to let go of it. It's a very, salvation is a very radical thing. And we have to be willing. We all went through this process of struggling. And we realized the struggle was because we were not willing to let go. Amen. Yes. We were not willing to let go. And it has to do this thing. And it does not even have to be progressive. Yep. No, it does not have it to be progressive. Be radical, yeah. It can be done just uh-huh. like and yes. you break free. And you break free and walk out of the curse. And you are free. <coughs> Pastor, is one, of, one of the things when you're talking about the Apostles' Doctrine is, is essentially uh, you, you're coming under the covering of the church. It's it's not possible to be safe unless you have a proper cover. I'm not talking about any church. I'm talking about a covering where you are covered by the doctrine, you're covered by the teaching, you're covered by the fellowship, and you're growing together as as a, as a as a. We cannot put it per se because also we need to realize <coughs> a lot of people are getting saved without anybody preaching to them. So who is their covering? Who is their covering? There are millions of people who do not have a church, but they are saved. God has supernaturally saved them through different agencies, dreams, visions, a message on the net, or a track. He has done it. Mm. He has done it. Though the ideal format is a church, mm. where there are any places to even to gather, two people gathering together is death. So you have all these pictures over there, even in the first ages and all persecution, they all scattered. All these things were happening. But the fact of the matter is, you have to believe that God will... You, it, it all... Be, Two things. One is your heart. The other is the supernatural act of God. If in your heart you are hungry, Hmm. I believe it doesn't matter how terrible the dispensation is. God will move heaven and earth to see that you receive what you need to get it. He will do that if your heart is right. It's like Saul of Tarsus sitting there blind, crying out to the Lord. And God will move and Ananias, and in spite of all his opposition, move him to go, lay his hands, and Paul changes immediately. So God will do that. 
to. He will supernaturally do. That's why the book of Acts is recorded about Peter being taken out and Paul and Silas taken out and all. Why is that? God is saying that don't ever think I'm dependent upon man. If there is one man who searches for me with his heart, I will reach and touch him. So there is something about which we have to. We look at all the human constraint. But the hand of God is constrained only by our unbelief. Mm. Unbelief. So there is a covering. Yes, there is a covering. But that's in an ideal situation. And much of the world in persecuted nations, the situation is not ideal. We have to accept that. So if the situation is not ideal, does God leave them alone? No, no. actually God takes care of them much, much better. He takes care of them. But again, there will be issues and all, all kind of issues because to grow in a wholesome way with wholesome doctrine is not very easy. Yes, because denominations have come and they have split on basis of doctrine. And like if you go to, uh, I mean, I have ministered to literally thousands of pastors over these years. And whenever I take them to Hebrews chapter 6 and verses 1 and 2, it is stunning to know that pastors don't know this. I mean, I did not know it until I, 25, 30 years ago, I read from Derek Prince. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ. What is elementary? You cannot go to middle school or high school unless you have gone through elementary school, which is primary school. Elementary, basic principles of Christ. Let us go on to perfection, not laying again. So unless you leave this, you cannot go on to perfection. What is it? The, the elementary, first is foundation of repentance from dead works. Faith towards God. The doctrine of baptism laying on of hands, resurrection of dead and of eternal judgment. If you look at them and you ask them, these six things do your church know? They said, we didn't know. Hmm. We didn't even see this. These are foundational principles which people have to be taught. And that's how Jesus began. That's how John the Baptist began. They said, first is the doctrine of repentance. Hmm. Repent for the kingdom of God is here. And then, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He who preached repentance showed faith towards God. And then what did he do? He baptized them. Mm. He baptized them. And then you have the Holy Spirit coming and the laying of hands. There's a passing of gifts. There's mm. a passing of anointing. And then you have the resurrection of the dead. There is a controversy always where Jesus comes, the Sadducees and the Pharisees. He puts a cat among the pigeons. Paul also does that because one group believes in resurrection. Another doesn't believe in mm. resurrection. So there is a doctrine of the resurrection of the dead. And then there is a question of judgment, eternal judgment. Meaning there is no purgatory. Nobody is going over there. The judgment is final and it is eternal. So these are fundamental doctrines. And once you are established in this doctrine, Bible says, then you can go on towards perfection. But if you do not have the primary lessons, how do you go to perfection? How do you go into a mature deliverance? So you will see... There's a lot of issues over it. So basically, when the apostles were teaching, I believe this is what they were teaching. Mm. They gathered steadfastly for the apostles' teaching. What did they teach them? They taught them on repentance. They taught them on faith towards God. They taught them on baptism, the different baptisms. You remember when Paul went to Ephesus, yes. he found uh, they had not received the Holy no, Spirit. They said, we did not even know. No, so he said, what baptism did you receive? Is it the baptism of John? He said, no. That's a different baptism. Mm. You have to receive the baptism of Jesus Christ. Mm. And after he baptized them, he laid hands upon them or whatever, and they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Mm. But now half the church does not believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. As a subsequent 
uh, experience. Mm. It's a second experience of a belief. It can happen simultaneously, but it is usually a second experience. They don't. That's why it is called doctrine of baptism. And I have showed it to Baptist preachers. I said, have you seen this? It's only one baptism. I said, that is one scripture. This is talking about the water baptism. Mm. But did you see words too? It's plural. Doctrine of baptisms. Okay. It doesn't say doctrines of baptism. Mm-hmm. It's a doctrine. It's of a doctrine of baptisms. There mm-hmm. are different baptisms. Jesus Himself talked about different baptisms. The baptism of fire. It's a baptism of martyrdom. There are different baptisms. And does the Bible teach about it? Yes. Do you believe in it? No. So these are where the fundamental blocks come. So when we come back to this Q and A, it's absolutely theological. We have have to come back to the Word of God. We look into the Word of God. What does the Word of God teach about these things? If we don't appropriate it. We lose. Mm. Everything in the Bible is still yes and amen. It is still there. Nothing has passed away. Like these people who are cessationists and all, no? If it is cessationist, how are you going to reach the entire world? Most of the world, 90% or like maybe 60, 70%, 80% of the world is not even saved. If you think everything has ceased, how are you going? We need the gifts of the Holy Spirit more now than ever before. We need the power of the power of the Holy Spirit today more than ever before. But you have come with a doctrine which is not in the Bible, which is it is over, it is ceased, which is not there. Nothing ceases. The kingdom of God is still continuing and increasing in power, not decreasing. We decrease it only by our unbelief. Yes, Pastor Vijay. Yes, Pastor. So again, I think question number four. We looked at it some time back, Pastor. You want us to look at it again? I think we looked at it. So yeah. we'll look, go to question number five then. Mm. The scriptures describe hell as furnace of fire, outer darkness, bottomless pit, worm shall not die and fire not quenched, weeping and gnashing of teeth, etc. Is this referring to the current spiritual realm of hell or the future lake of fire where death and Hades will be thrown into? In the first place, hell was not prepared for man. Hell was prepared for the devil and the demons who who fell. Then, when you come to the the picture, the only picture we have is about uh, Lazarus and uh, a rich man. Can we go over there? 16. Luke. Yeah. Luke 16. Got it? Luke 16 was was uh, 19 onwards. Yeah. There was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of swords, who was laid at his gate, desiring to be fed with crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. So it was the beggar died and was carried by angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And being in torments in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off, and the Lazarus in his bosom. Then he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. Okay. So we have a picture here. Hmm. We have a picture here. Now the thing is that, is this physical? No. no it's because it is spiritual. Yes. Because if it is physical, how can we take water into fire? 
Okay, this is not physical. This is a spiritual torment because the soul is not does not have his body is buried. The mm. body is gone. The soul does not have matter. So this is spiritual. And the spiritual can be more tormenting than the physical. Okay, so if you look at it, this is question five, right? Yeah. Yes. If you look at it, yes, it is there, and then it is coming. It is coming. This is this seems to be the state. Seems to be the state of those who die, and those who go to the Greek word Hades that is used over there is not typically hell. It is more like a holding area. So is hell hell, or if you look, if you go back to not go go to the book of Revelation, Revelation. Yes. when judgment is taking place, that is in Revelation nine twenty. Nineteen, yeah, twenty, twenty, and verse eleven onwards. Okay, this is after the millennium reign. Till then, they are all being held, all those ones. Then I saw a great white throne, and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. There was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God. Books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to their works, by which by the things which are written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades, Hades delivered up Hades, up the dead who were in them, and they were judged each one according to their works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. So the lake of fire and Hades are two separate things. Hades is more like a jail. Lake of fire is like a prison. One is a holding area. The other is where after your sentencing is over, you are sent there. Death is also a spirit, spirit which can hold. So these, see, <coughs> if you look at it, there seems to be different holding areas. Those who died in the sea were held in the sea. Hmm. Okay. Some were held by death itself. We don't know. We don't understand a lot of stuff. Some were held in Hades. Okay. Because tip, typically to speak, Hell was not made for man. man yes. It was made for the demons. So people are not held in the same place like we think because you see over there. So you will see there are demons in the water. Marine spirits are there. There are demons. All kinds of demons are there. There are all kinds of demons are there. Why are there demons in the water? Because there are spirits locked up in water. <laughs> so they torment them. So everything, it's, I mean, God has not revealed everything. What we can do is with the pieces of the zigzag puzzle over there, we can piece it together. Meaning people who have died in the sea centuries and centuries ago, they are still trapped there in the sea. Those who have died in the land, they have gone to Hades. Because they believe Hades, this place, is underneath the earth, in the deep core of the earth. So people are there, people are there in the sea, and uh, uh, death is a spirit, so I don't know who are the ones death is holding it, or basically is death the spirit who takes them to Hades and locks them in the hell, sorry, in the sea, we do not know, but pictures are there, a lot of pictures over there in the Bible, everything is not revealed, the secret things belong to God, but the simple thing is that nobody needs to go there. 
nobody needs to go there. It's a terrible, terrible place. Then, it is, uh, yeah, it, if I'm right, it is, uh, again, uh, that question was... Five, cut. question five. Is, is, this ref, is this referring to the current spiritual realm? Yeah, so, so we, we do not know. Right now we know after Jesus rose from the dead, paradise, he talks about Abraham's bosom is connected with paradise. We know paradise was emptied. Because Paul talks about it, to be absent with the Lord is to be present with the Lord. Book of Revelation does not show the souls in Abraham's bosom. They see under Under the the altar. altar. So it is not where it was earlier. It seems to be, has been transported to where God is, God's realm. So paradise has been shifted uh, and uh, hell has expanded itself. The Bible talks about in the book of Isaiah. Hell has enlarged itself because a number of people, hell never anticipated so much people to come in. (laughs) So the greatest construction project that is happening is is in hell. Therefore, look at that. (laughs) Dr. Richard fought it, (laughs) got it in this thing. Therefore, Sheol has enlarged itself and opened its mouth beyond measure. And who are these people? All those big dudes on earth. Their glory, their multitude, their pomp, and he was jubilant. They shall all descend into it. They will all come tumbling down. Because we need to talk about this because people don't want us to talk about it. But please remember, Jesus spoke about this more than he spoke about anything else. He, more than heaven, he spoke about hell. He spoke about hell. Yeah, that was right, no? And why do people get over there? And the funny thing is, you know why people reach there? It's verse 13. (coughs) My people have gone into captivity because they have no knowledge. Their honorable men are famished. The multitude dried up of thirst. Therefore, Sheol has enlarged it. He says people perish simply because of lack of knowledge. They listen to every dude who speaks on TV, everything, and all kind of religious quacks are over there. They'll talk about this mountain and that, this thing, and everything. He said, people are simply perishing because of knowledge. You know, the knowledge of who God is, that God has sent His Son, that no one should go to hell. They don't believe in Him. They believe in everything else. And you know what has a result? Sheol has enlarged itself. Multitudes, multitudes are just dying and going over there because they receive, refuse to receive the only one way, which actually is the easiest way. God's way. It's not the difficult way. God's way is always the easiest because he knows who we are. Man's ways are always very difficult because man is never kind to man. But God is always kind to man. Mm. His way is the easiest. But that easy way, which is a narrow way, they don't accept. And you know what happens? People go down. Go down into hell. There was another place also. Anyway. It's okay. I said 14, I think. Yeah. Isaiah 14. Yeah, Isaiah 14. And verse 9. Hell from beneath is excited about you. To meet you. At your coming. It stirs up the dead for you. All the chief ones of the earth. It has raised up from their thrones. All the kings of the nations. (laughs) They shall all speak and say to you, have you also become as weak as we? Have you become like us? Right? Your pomp. All your pomp has brought down to the grave, also with the noise of your harps. And look at that. Okay? The maggot. And maggot is spread under you and the worms cover you. Wow. 
shucks man okay this is what all these big dudes thinking they are masters of the universe and all they don't know what is waiting for them the scripture cannot be broken <laughs> the only way you escape the worm is christ otherwise you will have a carpet of worms under you and over you covered with worms wow. and these are the worms which jesus said they do, do not, not die. die worms on earth die the worms in the spiritual realm they do not die so don't think you escape the worm in the grave it's a worm in hades too which you don't escape they never die and they can survive bah. at any temperature any any temperature they can survive okay so temperature doesn't matter to them and that's what the bible is talking you can take it literally spiritually whichever you are and you look at after that who is it talking about how are you fallen from heaven lucifer son of the morning how are you cut down to the ground and you're talking your boss himself is cut down and he's also going there the fools who believe in lucifer yes oh boy question number 6 pastor it says why it's a mystery how can god is wife most likely his own sister as adam and eve had sons and daughters according to scriptures this was a first sort of the first and only occurrence of incest that was acceptable and forgivable forgivable or is it because cain was ungodly god didn't condemn this one unlike the murder of his brother abel okay first when we come to it you need to realize we are using terms which is not in existence mm. we are talking about stuff which is not even there mm. okay you are not judged mm-hmm. before the law came in the bible says there is no sin mm-hmm. okay there is no sin sin is a result of the law so when you have a man and a woman and their multiplicity of children and the family is starting with them then the first marriages are from their siblings yes their siblings if you look at it who did adam marry his own came from us from his from his wife his wife is somebody who came from his own body okay that's how it starts he mm. is not somebody who separate from you who came from another father and mother he is just part of him mm. literally part of his body mm. a brother and sister at the end of the day are two separate bodies but eve is his own body so that's how god begins and then as it goes down he starts bringing restrictions So when you go back to the beginning that Adam had many sons and daughters the bible talks about so it was there and then he starts setting as the population increases he starts setting rules and guidelines so that you have a moral order you have a system under which we can function so that's where and it's not got to do anything to do with Cain mm. that is how Cain said all of them okay mm. it was that way and then The first polygamy perhaps began with Cain's ungodly generation. Lamech took two wives and then we see Jacob, David, Solomon had many wives and concubines. Now when it comes to polygamy it's a different thing. Okay? Polygamy is a multiplicity of wives having more than one wife. Now let me take to that my notes on that. Okay? When it comes to poly- polygamy and monogamy we have to look at monogamy and polygamy. the clearest evidence of monogamy is that god created only one eve out of adam praise god okay mm. he did not create two eves he only one eve if you go to matthew chapter 19 yes. verses 3 to 6 jesus talks about about monogamy the pharisees also said is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife just for anything 
He said, have you not read that you made them at the beginning, made them male male and and female? female. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two. He didn't say three. Two. And man, one woman. So monogamy was God's order from the the beginning. beginning. Mm. And it was important also. Why? Because it's a parallel between Christ and his churches. Mm. No, church. The church is one body. Mm. God doesn't see churches. He sees the church as one body, one person, one bride. It's this thing. And second, if you come to the 10th commandment in the 10 commandments in Exodus chapter 20, the Bible says, thou shall not covet your neighbor's wife. It is singular. So in the 10 commandment also, he was not talking about polygamy. He was only talking about monogamy. Mm. Then in the uh, polygamy was strictly prohibited in the church leadership. Yes. That the church elder should be the husband of only one one wife. He cannot have two wives at the same day. It is not allowed. Polygamy was not allowed. Only monogamy was allowed. Okay, so please also understand that everything recorded in the Bible is not approved in the Bible. Mm. Bible is a true historical record. If a man took two wives and he had two wives, it is written. Also is written whatever trouble he had in that house. That is also written. Written, So what God has written in the word of God does not mean it has the seal of his approval. If you look at polygamy, polygamy originated in the line of Cain. The first murder originated. And the first recorded polygamist Islamic. He too is a murderer. Genesis chapter 4 verses 23-24. Now I am not saying polygamies are murderers. But what I am saying is that if you look at where polygamy started, it didn't start on a good line. It started on a bad line. Lamech said to his wives, Ada and Zillah, hear my voice. Wives of Lamech, listen to my speech, for I have killed a man for wounding me, even a young man for hurting me. Okay, so you will see this This is the first polygamy is mentioned over there. And then when you come to Esau, Okay, Jacob had two sons. You come to Esau, you will see Esau brought a lot of grief to mm. his parents 26. because of his multiplicity of, of his wives. In Deuteronomy 17, 17, the kings of Israel were strictly prohibited, strictly prohibited. Neither shall he multiply wives for himself, strictly prohibited from polygamy. And none of them kept it. None of them kept it. Okay, so you have Abraham, becomes polygamous because of Sarah's intervention and you will see immediately there is strife in the house. You will see the only house among the patriarchs where there was no strife was one. Uh, Isaac's house, there was no strife. The strife was caused not because of multiplicity of wives. It was a family problem where the husband and the wife both were wrong. But there was no strife there. Jacob's house is full of strife. Mm. But if you look at it, he was in so many ways innocent. He only wanted to marry Rachel. And he got set up and he ended up with two wives. And after that, it was strife. If you look at Hannah's story in the Bible, it was because he had two wives and there was a lot of conflict over there. So the Bible is always talks about the strife that comes from polygamy. And polygamy is not recommended or sanctioned in the Bible. The order is monogamy. In Exodus 21 and verse 10, in the under the law, God made concession where there was polygamy. If he takes, it not, it is not 
when he takes. Mm-hmm. Remember the difference between if and when. Mm. When you go to pray, when you fast in the Sermon on the Mount, it is not if, then it is optional. Yes. Prayer is optional, fasting is optional, giving is optional. It is not optional. Mm-hmm. It is uh, compulsory. Mm-hmm. It is a commandment. But in this case, if he takes, the law always makes concessions. Somebody goes and takes another wife. He shall not diminish her food, her clothing, her marriage rights. If he does not do these things for her, then she shall go out free without paying money. <laughs> okay, so he's always protecting the right of the other person, the other wife. Okay, protecting the right. So God, the law involves, because the law is written for fallen man. Mm. The fallen man is not going to go under the law. So he says, if he goes and takes a second wife, and he's got two wives over now, see to that, he takes care of both of them. So if you go to polygamy, polygamy was never God's idea. God, Christ does not have wives in heaven. It's only one wife. Okay, wife. But uh, polygamy is the way out of, uh, because of man's fall. Okay? I, I think you've answered all the parts, Pastor. Then it says, I have always wondered if Adultery was stated as a clear sin. Why polygamy wasn't stated explicitly as a command or a law in the Old Testament instead accepted? Okay. Adultery and polygamy are two different things. Polygamy, both the women are your wives. In adultery, it is another man's wife. So there is a difference between these two. If a man takes two wives, he's not committing adultery. He has not taken another man's wife. Both are his wives. So Abraham is not committing adultery with uh, Hagar. And Jacob is not committing adultery with Rachel and Leah. But when you take another man's wife, it is a different thing. You have trespassed into something else and therefore that is a violation of somebody else's rights. So that's a different thing altogether. But when it comes to polygamy, all the Gentiles around were polygamous. All the canon Gentile nations were polygamous. Okay? And the order in the Jewish law was monogamy. But because the patriarchs were also polygamous, okay, because they lived among the Gentiles and they were saved from the Gentiles and they were polygamous, God put a stricture in the law. If, monogamy is the order, but if you take another wife, he shall not diminish her food. Diminution. One of the strangest portions in the Bible is, and oh no, let's leave it there. We'll get into a controversy. Of <laughs> okay, sometimes, you know, people love controversy. <laughs> I think okay. you you looked at all your all, yeah. all the parts. Can't figure out when monogamy became a norm. No, it never was a norm. It was, I mean, it uh, was a norm. Monogamy. Monogamy was the norm from, from Adam, the and, Adam and Eve. That was the norm. Polygamy was when you went out of the norm. But the norm never changes. It is mm. Christ and his wife. Adam and Eve. One man, one woman. It was the norm. Yes. The next question is really about suffering. It's possibly one of the most tough questions of the day. Of okay. the day. Several children of God who were warriors of faith and powerfully used by God died so young due to cancer, etc., despite their faith to be healed. I know a couple in ministry who lost their six-year-old son to cancer, another couple, their 16-year-old son, old old girl, who was a worshipper and used by God in many ways. Another lady in her 40s succumbed to cancer last year, leaving behind two young girls and a husband despite of strong faith. 
Nabil Qureshi has gone in his in his thirties, regardless. Global prayers lifted, were lifted up for his healing. Does this mean that God has accomplished their purposes on purpose on earth, or any other reasons the spirit of death took over earlier than the appointed time? Some deferred or unanswered crucial prayers. How do we interpret that uh, knowing God's goodness still prevails? One of the thing is that if you look at the scripture, God is good. He's good all the time. Why does a person die? In the first place, we can never judge that a person died before time. Only God knows. It's not in our hands. Let me ask you the question. It's a controversial, sad thing. But when Revizak died, everybody said, why did he have to die? Why did he have to die? And at a time like this, when the world is going through a crisis and pandemic, how powerful would have been his voice? Now people will say, it's good he died. He wouldn't have been put to this ridicule and shame and mockery and scorn if he had been alive now. Okay? So, when we go to heaven, everybody will realize that God was right. He was always good. Some people die before time. It may be before time, but we don't know what is the reason. What was the doors that were opened? Okay, now let me ask you this question. The child that was born because of David and Bishop, wasn't he absolutely innocent? Yes. Did he die? He died. Did he die? He died. But did he go to hell? No. no. He says he will not come back to me, but I will go to him. Okay. And you look at David's response to a child who has died, who is actually dead because of the sin of the parents. Actually died because of the sin of the parents. He did not die over anything else. Maybe a sickness came. and He died of it, but the sickness came because of the sin of the parents. But you know, the child is safe. And David understands the goodness of God. And that is why he reacted the way he reacted when the son died. He rose I mean, I mean, I've preached so many times about it, so I'm not going over there. But you look at his response. The death of his son does not change the goodness of God. Mm. God is always good. If God's goodness is constrained to my reaction to the trials I go through, then, then God is not good. Mm. God is good always. Why? But that's his nature. It never changes. God is good. And that's where this thing, you know, people die. A, a mother... Why do people die? Because of sin. Because of sin. Right? Sin. Before Adam and Eve sinned, there was no disease, there was no sickness, there was no virus, there was no germ. Even if they were, it had no effect at all on the human body. Okay? But the day they disobeyed God, first, immediately, they died spiritually. Okay? And they died slowly in their soul. And they died ultimately in their the body. body. That is bad. That's why Adam lived to over 900 plus years. But they died. So we have to realize is that a mother may die of cancer, but she may, she may be a woman of faith. She may be a righteous woman. But you are living in a sin-filled world. And there are so many reasons by which you could die. Hmm. Nobody is... Uh, Exempt. Uh, you see, um, when you go to the book of Isaiah, the work on the cross. I put a rider there. Isaiah in chapter 53. Verse 5. 
he was wounded for our transgressions he was bruised for our iniquities the chastisement of our peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed when it comes to that last part and when you connect with the body there is a restriction because the healing of your body is temporary because this body is not going to be saved mm. so it doesn't matter how much faith you have you're still going to die your body is deteriorating the greatest faith healers the greatest faithful men all died if all had not like john the apostle was not executed according to history and he was an apostle but he died he would have died of old age old age related sickness the most anointed among the prophets was ezekiel sorry elisha elisha died of a sickness so you have to understand that fact after sin came in it's not redemption for this body you wouldn't want this body in heaven hmm. because it would be a misfit in heaven because you want this one so sickness is there you have to accept death as a fact as a fact so when people be, when we do believe in healing do i believe in healing i do but do you believe you cannot fall sick i don't believe in that it is not it is not i'm not saying it is you leave it open hmm. you don't judge about somebody's death in the likes you know when ravi zack died we don't know the demons he were fighting i feel sorry for him we don't know the demons he were fighting so when we look at nabil qureshi died at 30 Okay, as in his thirties, he died. But what do we know? Am I saying he's a sinner? No. But do you know? On one side, global prayers were being offered. But do you know the spiritual attack that was upon him because yes. of yes. leaving a particular religion? religion? Yes. And did he really know how to fight it out? Mm-hmm. Fight the constant rituals and um, what you call occult that was happening on another side to destroy him because simply because he had left his faith. I mean, he was he was alive because he was in US. But if he had accepted the Lord, if he was in Saudi or something, they would have killed him. Absolutely, they would have killed him. So there are a lot of things which we do not even understand what is happening in the spiritual realm. A lot of things we don't understand at all. Look at Stephen. Mm-hmm. Stephen died very young, mm-hmm. very early in our. But he died at God's appointed time. Mm-hmm. He died at about God's appointed time. So we have to look at it. does that mean god has accomplished the purpose on earth or any other reason that also we do not know as far as i know it is written about david he fulfill god's purpose in his generation how many of us will reach heaven fulfilling 100% of our this thing we do not know there was a sower who sowed and the first fell on stony ground second fell on shallow ground third fell on stony uh, ground fourth fell on good ground so you take 100 seed 25 fell on good ground again on the 25 that fell on the good ground 30%. one brought 30% another brought um 60 61% so you again divide it how many do you get if you do mathematics wise it is 1 by 3 so 8 uh, <laughs> so out of 100 8 is bringing 100% mm. okay now we are doing a calculation i'm not this is not heavenly statistics <laughs> meaning this 100% fulfilled all of god's will in their life okay so if you look at it did they fulfill god's purpose most people won't most people won't 
That is a fact. Because this is a race. So when you look at it, but God is sovereign. He watches over it. These are his children. He loves his children. You know? So, we don't make judgments because we simply do not know. The secret things belong to God. He does not reveal any of these things to us. Okay. Okay, Pastor. Question number eight again uh, is from the book of Revelation. My understanding is people who die until the Lord's return are judged and based on the judgment end up in the other side of eternity. Okay, that's, uh, it says either, but on the other side of eternity. In context of end times and the Lord's return, uh, Revelation 20 verses 4 to 5, only martyrs of Christ will reign with him as part of the millennial kingdom mm. and first resurrection and the rest of the dead mm. did not come to life until the end of the millennial rule. Mm. It's a question. Mm. But were their souls not with Christ after death if they died as children of God? Just that the bodily resurrection doesn't occur for them in reign explicitly during millennium. Can you explain this please? That's the first part. Revelation 20. Yeah. When you come there, okay. then I saw thrones and I sat on them and judgment was committed to them. Then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus and for the word of God who had not worshipped the beast or his image and not received a mark on their foreheads or on their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. Okay. Now when you look at it, you are looking at it with one prism alone. Okay. One prism alone. One person. Now go to chapter 19. Yeah, chapter 19 and verse 11 onwards. Now I saw heaven open. Behold, a white horse. He sat on him, was called faithful and true, righteous. He judges that makes war. His eyes were like flames of fire. On his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one know, knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven, clothed in linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now when we come to the armies of heaven, the question is, does that only include angels or there are saints included? Go to the book of Jude. And verse 14. <clears throat> now Enoch the seventh from Adam prophesied about these men also saying, Behold, the Lord comes with tens of thousands of his saints. For what? To execute judgment on all. You put it all, put it in picture. There are two groups here. One is the group that is coming with him. The other is the group who were martyred during the tribulation who comes to life. And all these three, two groups rule. Mm. Now, in this context in 20, you are seeing only those who are martyred reigning with Jesus Christ for a thousand years. You are not seeing the others who have already come with him and fought the battle and defeated the Antichrist. Mm. Okay? So, they are there. This group is here. So, unless you put it all, that's why eschatology, I don't get into it. Because if you get into it, it's such an interesting field, you will forget every other doctrine. Mm. All you want to do is to be an eschatologist, which is like being a librarian. 
Okay. <laughs> okay. So, but if you look at it, 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 you have to look at it in all the pictures and put it all together. That's basically what is happening over here. It, it's not mean the others are in there. The others are there. They already have come with them. Okay. And these are the martyrs who died during those three and a half years period. Okay. Yes. And then. And then one uh, Revelation twenty eleven to fifteen also says, wondering as a part of final judgment, yeah. what will be the rejudgment for believers who passed uh, onto the current heaven already? Will their rewards in heaven be decided according to, accordingly that day, and not the day when they entered into heaven? Okay. If you go to Revelation chapter twenty, yeah. Then I saw a great white throne, and him who sat on it, from whose faith the earth face the earth and the heaven flood away. Now, when you come to Revelation chapter 20, you have to go chronologically in that order if you look at time events. Okay, if you look at time events over there, if you come to chapter 19 and verse 7, let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his wife has made herself ready. Mm. When you come to chapter 20, the wedding of the Lamb is already over. over. That means the judgment for the saints is already over. over. They have already got their crowns and their tofa sapuch milgaya, everything they have got. When you come to chapter 20, it is post the millennium reign. The saints have got their crowns. They are reigning with Jesus for a thousand years on earth. Eternity per se, the eighth millennium has not started. The new heavens and the new creation with the old passing away has not started. This is at the end of the seventh millennium. Mm -hmm. At the end of the seventh millennium. At the end of the seventh millennium, there is a final resurrection. Final resurrection. There is only one controversy over here. One entire school of eschatologists, theologians believe this is the judgment of the wicked. All the wicked from Cain onwards down, they are all resurrected now. That is what the Bible is talking about. Go back there, you will see this is a resurrection of the wicked. Let's go to 20, that portion which we just... 11 to 11, 20, 11 on. Okay. <coughs> Revelation 20, yeah. Okay, and I saw. And what happened? Who's, from whose face the earth and the heaven flood away and there was found no place for them. Meaning what is happening? The beginning of the end of the old creation mm. is found to no, know the old creation is passing away. It is passing away. Because by the time you come to chapter 21, you see the new creation, new heavens, new earth, and the new city. Okay, It's moving away. It's just, just gone. Judgment is beginning. This is the end of the old creation. I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God. All the dead. So they take the dead... And they ask, why is it written dead over there? So theologians say, these are the dead in their faith. They have mm. no salvation at all. He will judge between the dead and the quick. Mm. The quick are those who are living souls who have salvation. These are the dead. They are dead in their souls. They have no salvation. But they are resurrected for their judgment. And books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. This is the only controversial part. If they are dead, why should the book of life be there? I also don't know why is it there. Just maybe because it's a quote, just to show them your names are not there in the book of life. It could be. 
maybe one school of theologians are absolutely right. This is the judgment of the wicked and none of their names will be in the book of life. But as evidence is produced in court, the book will be opened. Anybody who is pleading can check whether your name is there or not. Your name will not be found there. It could be that, okay? And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books, okay? And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and hates delivered up the dead who were in it. And they were judged each one according to his works. And death and hates were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life. And that is where the controversy comes. Why is it written like that? So I don't understand. So my understanding, perception, one of my ways I think is that in this, in that final resurrection, there will be a lot of people who just made it through the fire. fire. Yes. They have nothing to show works. They just, these are last minute gasping salvation cases. They will stand before God and they will come through. Their name is found, but when the other books are read, there are books. If you look at it, there are books read. When the books are read, there is nothing to show they did anything for the Lord. There was no works of books are opened. And the dead were judged according to their works. Okay? Judged according to the works. Now the question is, why do the dead have to be judged if they are being thrown into the lake of fire? Because the, when the punishment is not the same. Mm. It's not. The Bible is very clear. The punishment is not the same. And in eternity, you would wish it. We know the law in the land. Everybody doesn't get the same punishment. Some people are to simple punishment. Some people are to rigorous punishment. You will see the terms differ. Some is sent to life. Some is sent for 10 years. Some is put in solitary. Some is put in isolation. All kind of punishments are there. So if you want to think in terms of fire, in the material terms, some will go to 100 degrees. Some will go to 200 some will go to 500. The intensity of the torment they go through will be proportional to the evil they did here. The evil they did here. You will get proportionately that kind of... Some will be in darkness. Some will be in outer darkness. Outer darkness. Absolutely. I mean, we cannot even think about what that outer darkness is. But remember, the, the best place in hell is reward for Satan. He will go to the core of it all. Okay, so that's how we have to read it. That's how, that's what it means they will be judged. So when will be the saints be judged and receive their rewards? There's a day kept for that. I believe that is what you see in Revelation chapter 19 because you have to think about in these terms. Uh, what is the greatest reward you can get in heaven? In eternity with this new body, material rewards mean nothing. See, we have to forget those rewards. Those rewards will mean something over here means nothing there. Even gold is dark. <laughs> you walk on gold. So it means nothing there. So what is the greatest reward you can take? <laughs> One is you become the bride of the Christ. Mm. You're counted among the bride. Second is the authority you receive to reign. To reign. Okay. I believe there will be very healthy competition in heaven. Not unhealthy competition among the sons and daughters of God. Each one, let us say, one is given Hyderabad, another is given Warangal, and you have unlimited resources of this father. How do you change Hyderabad? <laughs> and how do you change Warangal? 
and you come the kings of the earth bring their glory mm. to the city it is said and the kings will come and say dad see what i did with hyderabad the other one will say look at warangal also no jealousy nothing at all mm. absolutely absolutely i mean it's that's why if you are lazy and you don't like work <laughs> over here you're going to enjoy innovation you're going to enjoy i believe There's i mean it turn what we are seeing here is just a taste for taste of what eternity is going to be like what satan and man's fall everything will be reversed and eternity is going to be like no man's business so there will be i believe all these things will happen over there we do not know because we can we can only imagine but how much can you imagine with scriptures even eyes haven't seen no ears heard what god is preparing you look at the innovation of man on earth you look at what man has done mm. on earth it's just a minuscule of what man will do in eternity God will just release his power and his spirit and says you are my sons and daughters come on do it be like me create create no sin nothing it is power righteousness glory honor unlimited because nobody will have any issues because everybody will have the nature of Christ what is the nature of Christ and greater God. works Amen. than this you shall do absolutely no jealousy <laughs> greater works and everybody will be happy with each other mm. okay and that's the way it should be now amen <laughs> somebody does a greater work than you be happy hallelujah why mm-hmm. then you will be happy in heaven too okay and we'll stop there first yes, yes. yeah okay, we'll stop there <coughs> so look forward to heaven it is awesome awesome you can't even use the word time <laughs> there's no time there right eternity is going to be a blast i don't know what sammy will do in eternity Uh, he will have a platform there. Eh? He wants to sleep in. <laughs> <laughs> Sammy has not slept on earth because everybody keeps him busy with this thing and that thing and all. So, okay, I, we shall put a recommendation: sleep for a thousand years. Okay, <laughs> the first thousand years you sleep, we shall wake you up among the dead. <laughs> no, no, no. You don't want to wake up with the dead, okay? Then sleep for a year or so, and then wake up and come back, okay? Because okay, if there is a software hardware issue, we'll have to wake we'll have to wake you up, okay, Sami? Okay. So we ended on a jolly note, and tomorrow is Sunday. We shall be live at 9 a.m. and we shall pray. We shall close. Father, we just thank you. We just thank you. We just thank you, Lord. All that we go through on earth. absolutely nothing as paul said help us to see lord he was a man who was tortured for christ's sake and he called it all as momentary affliction in the weight of the eternal glory that was waiting for help us to see this is nothing this life is nothing real life is yet to begin in a twinkling of an eye in the incorruptible the corruptible will be taken over by the incorruptible the mortal by the immortal then only we will know what life is and you have preparing that life for us you're preparing a place for us and eyes haven't seen or ears heard but god is preparing for those who love him which all we can say is lord just thank you for loving us we know lord we didn't deserve any of this just because of your love for us We just want to thank you. We just want to praise you. We just want to worship you. Thank you, Father. Thank you. This evening, 
morning in U.S. I commit your peace and your rest into everyone's life. Let them be at rest. Let them know God is in control, absolutely control. Let them be at rest. It doesn't matter what the devil does. He knows his time is short. At the end of the day, the devil's neck is also on a leash. The end of the leash is in your hand. He can't do anything other than you allow him, Lord. He was in absolute control always. Therefore, we are at rest. Whatever happens, we don't understand more of the things. Nothing changes about you. God is good and is good all the time. We just want to thank you for your goodness. So as we all go home, take us, let's reach us safely. People in the West, US, go into a new day. May your presence go with them. People in Australia, deep sleep. May your hand be there upon them. And everybody in between, Lord, may the presence of God be their portion. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.